Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to Brett and Cliff's Flea Circus. My name is Cliff and I can see a man. Please tell everyone your name. Today, I'm going to be the Duke of New York. I think. Okay. Is that a real position? Yeah, well, it is. It certainly is. Especially if you've watched the film that we're going to talk about. Mr. Um, Cover. And uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> what, um, what benefits does it bring? Well, various benefits. The main one being that you're allowed to have chandeliers on the front of your car. Yep, which is, to be honest, probably the best thing about being a duke, I would say. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Definitely is. <laughs> so there's a little hint about what we're talking about, isn't it? Yes, uh-huh. I mean, little tiny hint. unless people haven't looked at the name of the uh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> which people what are going to be talking about today? <laughs> people might like a, a bit of a surprise. Well, talking about that. that um, might like the read. Talking about that. We had uh, we've got a new listener. She tweeted us. Oh, uh, uh, I'll call her a lass because mm-hmm. she likes to talk in a Geordie voice because she's not a Geordie, obviously. Um, right. She's called Katie and she is a radio presenter and that kind of thing over here. Right. And uh, she started a podcast called the Grief Relief Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, which has had its first episode out last week, which I listened to. Um, I know her because we've done some work together in the past. She's great, look lovely, um, <laughs> and we got on really well. And she was starting a podcast, so I sent her a message. She was like, didn't know that we did one. Uh, her podcasts are a bit, on the face of it, a bit more serious than, than ours uh, because it, both of her parents uh, died, and it's kind of about dealing with that um right but it's funny it's like her and her brothers and other people like the first episode's really funny talking mm-hmm. about like things that they did to get over it and stuff like that anyway yeah give it a listen people if you want to it's really good um uh-huh. she has been listening to a lot of our episodes and messages going uh, oh i've just listened to this mm-hmm. one whatever and then she sent us yeah. a message saying just as a tip i'm listening to some of the first ones uh and the levels are so off that when you listen to one, the song's really loud, uh-huh. but then we're really quiet, so she turns it right up. And then the uh-huh. next one starts, and then the song's fucking incredibly loud and like, ah! Um, right. So I said, well, to be honest, we didn't know what we were doing with the levels and stuff when we first started. I think it's a bit better. But also, uh-huh. 
I had no idea anybody would listen to more than one in a row. (laughs) (laughs) It does happen. (laughs) Apparently it happens. So I'm sorry anybody who's done that and uh, we've blasted you, but I think I've sorted it out uh, now. Um, Do you think we're on the same level now? I don't think, well, I think we're always on the same level, but um, I think we're on the same level as the music now. (laughs) I think (laughs) spiritually. Spiritually, we're on the same level. I think so. Um, moral wise, obviously, I've got higher morals than you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're, you're low on stature. I am low on stature. I'm not a duke. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that is I think, true. Um, am I a knave? Is that what I am? What, what's that like? A navel? Yeah, it's as low as a belly button. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever told you about the rollers? I mean, I don't know what you mean by that. So, <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine that you would know unless I told you because I made it up. Okay. When, uh, when Lennon was very, very small, right? When you, you, you obviously you get in the bath with your your child and stuff like that. Do you ever find that you have? Um, a large amount of fluff in your belly button. Um, Does that ever happen to you? I think I can't remember it happening recently. In the past, certainly, uh-huh. but maybe in I've the past. maybe I've resolved the issue. Um, <laughs> but I get a lot on the feet because I don't wear socks right. or slippers, and I have uh, uh, um, very dusty, fluffy floors. <laughs> <laughs> See. <laughs> so uh, when when Leonard was small, he, he used to say, "Well, w- what's that in your belly button, Dad?" And I used to show him the fluff from my belly button, as you do. And what I told him was as that you do. in, the, <laughs> in <laughs> the middle of the night, there's these very very small creatures who live on my skin called the rollers who roll me dead skin into <laughs> me belly button. Why do they live on the your pit. skin, though? Well, to clean us. And to put the they could just the come button. out of wherever they live at night and do it. Like they didn't have to live on your skin. Well, that, they live on me like skin. Like the Paul Simon that... song, allergies, allergies, something living <laughs> on my skin. <laughs> yeah, a bit like dust mites. Yeah, I mean, they're a little I, bit like them. I'll be honest. I don't think it's a great story for for young Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> he loved the story. I mean, I didn't say the word dust mites because if think... you've ever, have you ever seen the picture of a dust mite? It's awful, isn't um, it? Well, what what you mean when the when you when enlarged. you like yeah enlarged <laughs> yes. under a microscope? I mean, it's it's horrible. Probably it is one of the most horrible images anyone can see. Well, well, here's another image for you. They're all over your feet because of your <laughs> fluffy floors. <laughs> <laughs> But you see, I think of it as like, you know, when people in the early 2000s and late 90s used to go in them shops uh, uh-huh. and put their feet in fish tanks. Oh, no, that's <laughs> weird. That you could that, see from it? the outside. Uh-huh. That is so mental, that. There's that's no what I think the dust mites are all for. <laughs> There's no way I'd, I'd want fish eating me dead skin. I mean, the rollers are bad enough, aren't they? But not, not the fish. No Yeah. Way. Uh, I, don't, I don't like any of that. I'm sure I was no. going to talk about something serious before I got onto all oh. this bother. Not again. Uh, yep. You know me. <laughs> Always bringing it down. 
Because <laughs> I've, I've got some very stupid questions to ask you. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Question number one. Do it. Do it. Uh, Cliff, have you ever considered plastic surgery? Not that you require it. Not in your current state anyway. <laughs> but like in the future, do you think that you'd do it? I have often thought uh, that I would have my man breasts removed somehow. Not entirely, but like the fat bits really? of them taken out. Yeah, Because I quite like them. And that's all right. You've never kissed them, though, have you? Like, uh, no, I've never kissed them. I've never kissed them. I've always wanted to kiss them, but I've I've never sort of, you know, got the courage to do it. I wish I, I wish I had it done. The reason well, I ask is, say, uh, I was watching Pointless, and there was two girls from Towie on, right? Okay. And they both looked exactly the same as each other. <laughs> I mean, they weren't related or anything, but they yep. were just exactly the same. I mean, say, I mean, if they want to do it, all right, but it looks a bit That's daft. Up to them. Yeah. No individuality is there in that program. Cliff, what is the most succulent meal you've ever eaten? What do you think? Because you've eaten, I mean, you, you're a foodie, aren't you? Well, I've said it, I've said it before, I'll say it, it again. Go on, mm -hmm. well, I have no doubt. Um, the most succulent meal I've ever had. Yes, succulent. Um, I had I had an uh, entire aloe vera plant once. You, you mean the succulent? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you mean? That's what I mean, yeah. I had a, a porterhouse steak in a hotel once, which was like an elephant's leg. <laughs> and that, that was quite succulent. Other than that, it's got to just be Greg's, I reckon. <laughs> what, what's your favourite? What's my favourite? Um, I think I'd go for the good old cheese pasty. Hey, I've, the, I, I've heard uh, I've heard rumor that they've yeah. like removed the pasty name now, and they're all bakes. Either or, actually, they've sneaked that on us, haven't they? What? But I still what, call them pasties. What a fucking disgrace that is! That like, is. I, do you remember how disgrace. I used to hate steak bakes when they first came in? Yeah, <laughs> I used to used go to... mad about it. Uh -huh. I, uh, it's a good job I'm not in England now because every <laughs> branch of Greg's would be feeling me rap. They would. <laughs> they removed you know the what? perfectly good peppered steak pie to make uh -huh. way for what is essentially a steak pasty. Nobody wants uh -huh. a steak pasty, does that? Stupid. No, pasties are much better. I wonder what that man thinks about it who had the picture of a pigeon. In his coat. <laughs> I wonder what he makes of all this. I think he the loss just, of the pasties. He just cares about the the pre-packed bread buns. That's all he cares about. <laughs> it's just just for my bird. Oh, do you want to see a picture of me bird? <laughs> what a man! Uh, uh, to be honest, Brett, I would imagine he's dead. All uh, oh, right, that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last question for you, Cliff, is this one. Uh, if you, I mean, it, it could happen. If you were signed for Leeds tomorrow, right, mm -hmm. do you think that they'd make you have that stupid haircut with the man bun? Yeah, I think it's, it's de rigueur. You know it how uh, he doesn't, he signs players, but uh -huh. it's like months before they're in the team. Well, yeah. you, know, you know why that is. People exactly. are saying it's because he's got to get used to the tactics and the no not way. fit enough. No, he's got to grow... <laughs> A tiny amount of hair that could only uh -huh. just be put in a ponytail, just just a tiny and amount. And shaved, shaved <laughs> at the sides. Yep. 
That's that's exactly it's a prerequisite. Uh, what what's in the contract? What do you think drives young men from northern like mill towns? <laughs> mill like, towns. Yep, northern mill towns. Yeah, like uh-huh. yeah, Rotherhams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Doncasters. Do you suddenly uh-huh. think I'm gonna have that haircut? It's like Towie, but for football, isn't it? There's a, I think it's Uber that drives them. Like Jack Harrison. <laughs> Why does he look like that? I've Patrick got no Bamford. Idea. They all look like that. that. That Phillips looks like that. That two fullbacks look like that. I pointed out my last. She was disgusted. So <laughs> well, watching Leeds. Uh-huh. Well, she was disgusted in the fact that they had the, the, these haircuts. And I think we were watching it on Monday. And uh, I think they were playing against Wolves. When the Wolves lads had a shot... Uh-huh. And wouldn't you know, it deflected off one of the people with the haircuts, yeah. it deflected off their heads into the goal. <laughs> now, it's their own fault, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the comp. What their own fault. Do you think Bielsa must be just like, kind of just mumbling to himself about that haircut all the time? I think that's what he was shouting at the bucket. He was shouting at the bucket about it. And then turn that is down. what he mumbles about. I don't think he mumbled before the Leeds player started to grow these haircuts. But now he's just he's just disgusted with it all. Isn't he? <laughs> fucking haircuts. I'm sick of these fucking haircuts. Where's me bucket? <laughs> funny he's good Bielsa though, isn't he? He's incredible, incredible. I, I mean, the fact that he's Leeds manager really means he probably could have been anyone's manager. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Right? He could have been like uh, Ipswich manager or something he like could, that. He could have been so exactly Leeds manager. I mean, away. <laughs> Imagine if that had happened. I wouldn't mind if my players had that haircut and weren't rubbish. If he was the manager. <laughs> yeah, if he was the manager, but, I think that's right. Phil Parkinson is not going to say have a haircut, but also be good, is he? He's going to say our team is the most nondescript bunch of players I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't. I mean, it's it's shocking. Obviously, I haven't been to a game for a long time because I've been here. But even if I was at a game, I don't think I could tell who anyone was. Like apart from the like ogre up front, I wouldn't know who (laughs) anyone is. Cottage cheese, cottage cheese, try it once and then you'll agree that cottage cheese, cottage cheese is the only cheese guaranteed to please. Well, it's the only cheese that lives in the top. <laughs> what about Wensleydale? Yes, right in the Well, it's Dairy Lee. <laughs> Wensleydale's just a normal block of cheese. It's Wensleydale? It's Dairy Lee. It's not Dairy Lee. It's Wensley deal. Well, anybody who doesn't realise that we've nicked that. That's a that's one of our favourite uh, <laughs> Vic and Bob Vic and Bob songs that we've got wrong. Oh, Brett's got wrong. No, I haven't got it wrong. <laughs> but it was unplanned. But you obviously planned it, and you got the words wrong. No, I didn't. Anyway, on that yeah. note, yes, let's talk about the film we're going to talk about today. I will yes. introduce it and you can talk about it because it's your thing. I'm going to ask you some questions yes. because you're the one who knows all about it. So we're going to talk about John Carpenter's 1981, uh, what's it called? Dystopian future action thriller. Yes. 
Escape uh-huh. from New York, starring mm-hmm. Kurt Russell and mm-hmm. an amazing supporting cast. Amazing supporting <laughs> cast. Um, yeah. I'll talk a little bit about what I thought of it because I've this is the first mm-hmm. time I've watched it properly. One of those seeing clips of it on the telly late at night, come in late from the pub or whatever. Never watched the full thing. This is the first time I've ever seen it. Brett, it's one of your favorite films. Why did you want to do it? It is. I wanted to do it because it is fantastic. It's unbelievable. I love it. I don't just love this film by John Carpenter. I love I love all John Carpenter's films. It's uh, it's quite weird because the, the first memory that I have of, of watching a film with my parents, must have been about three or four or something, was uh, Assault on Precinct 13 mm-hmm. Good on the TV. Yeah, and it, I, that's my first memory and obviously, I grew up through the eighties and stuff like that. <laughs> What's inappropriate? Watching it was three, four-year-old watching us on Precinct Thirteen. <laughs> well, yeah, probably was, but it's my first memory of watching something. But uh, I mean, growing up through the eighties, I, I used to, you know, all these films that he made stuck out in my mind. I didn't know there were John Carpenter's films at the time, even though it had sort of, you know, on the credits and stuff, John Carpenter. Okay, when you're a kid, this. Then. John Carpenter's that, yeah. When you're a kid, you don't you don't realize that kind of stuff. Uh, but when I got a little bit older, obviously, I you know I realized it was the same guy, sort of making all these films that I loved. I remember going to school and and saying, "Did you see that film where the guy found the glasses and he put the glasses on, and like he could see that everybody were, were, were aliens?" And everybody was like, "No." You made that up. No, nope, because for it's years... inappropriate for children of that age. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was when I was in uh, junior school, I think. Um, but there was a, there was another time where I said, "Oh, did did you see this other film where it's uh, it's it, it's absolutely fantastic? It's uh, Kurt Russell's in it, and there's loads of kung fu fighting and stuff like that, and the, there's three guys in it who look like the characters from Mortal Kombat." And like everybody in the school was talking about this film, how mental it was and okay, stuff. Obviously, okay. big trouble in Little China. But all the films, I just I loved them. And then when I worked out that it was the same guy making them, I was just blown away. And even more blown away, I guess, when I realised like he wrote them as well and he did the music mm-hmm. for them. It's like unbelievable. He's he's a genius. Um. And being a horror fan, presumably at some point you saw Halloween as well. And and yeah. whether you knew that was him at the time or whatever, I presu- presumably you love that film as well. I love all of his films. I mean, there's not one that I don't like. Really? I, I love Ghosts of yeah. Mars? The thing is with John Carpenter, right? If people bring up like, you know, the, the sort of lesser liked ones in the 90s and stuff like that. But nobody does that with Spielberg, do they? Nobody goes, oh, did you see Lincoln? Do you know what I mean? Well, you know why? Because the answer is no, I didn't, because it's about <laughs> four hours long and it was uh-huh. fucking well, shit. Uh-huh. But do you know what I mean? I think no, I agree with you. I said of... that about Ghost of Mars. I don't know, I've never yeah. seen it. And it gets panned, but yeah, I, but I mean also, it's not you... one of my favorite uh, John Carpenter films, but um but you yeah, know, every I mean, director makes ones that you, you really love or you you know you don't like as much. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I, I'm not somebody who's going to wax lyrical about Spielberg. I, obviously, I appreciate uh, he's made some of the best received and most people's most favorite films of all time. I don't really uh-huh. watch his films very much, but I mean, no, Jaws, I, I would watch if it was on. Yeah, I couldn't give a fuck about ET to be honest. Um, uh-huh. Like. 
But obviously, people love him, and he's a great. He's a great people. I get. Oh, yes, sir. But yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you what you're saying. And I haven't seen all of John Carpenter's films, but I know the big uh, the big ones. He's he, he's just. It's just the same in my eyes, just uh-huh. uh, just a different genre or a different style of filmmaking. It, yeah. like, uh, if he was fucking French or something like that, he'd be mm-hmm. regarded as or Italian. He'd be like Dario uh-huh. Argento or something. People would be studying his films and waxing lyrical about them all the time. But he's seen yeah. as a bit of like a B-movie guy, isn't he? When I think that's pretty unfair. That's massively unfair. I think he said himself that in in uh, in England he's he's like you know he's regarded as like a port or something, and in in Europe he's regarded as a genius, but in in America he's regarded as a bum. It's like <laughs> it's an American thing. Do you know what I mean? And I think a lot of it's come from like critics and stuff like that, especially with the thing, because most of his films are like independent films where yeah. he's like Halloween and, and the one we're talking about, we're going to talk about Escape from New York, yeah. where he's, he's done it on like a shoestring budget, but it still looks massive and amazing. Mm-hmm. It looks better than, the way it's shot, than right? these. Yeah, it looks better than these sort of studio films. And then when he did do a studio film, um, which was The Thing, everybody hated it because it was way ahead of its time. It shocked people. Do you know what I mean? The Thing's it, amazing. It, it's I know it's your favourite film. Yeah. But I mean, it's incredible. It's an absolutely it incredible film. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. Why I mean, people it... wouldn't like it on the back of this? It's better than this. I, I like this film, but it's better than this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're like, oh, he, he's Halloween. Bro- absolutely broke boundaries. The way it was yeah. shot, what it's about, all of that stuff. This film, oh, he's done an action film on like it's a hugely ambitious action film, but on a tiny, tiny budget. But also uh-huh. he's got all of these kind of real character actors and some stars and stuff to be in it. Um, uh-huh. Okay, well, let's give him a deal and let him make this film. And everyone's like, terrible. Like, I don't understand it's, it. <laughs> it's because it's because it, it really did shock people. I mean, we're going to do the thing when it's me, it's me birthday because we're going to pick <laughs> our favourite one, aren't we? Okay. But uh, what happened was when it, was, when it came out, I think E.T. ET came out before it and made everybody sort of feel very happy about aliens and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's a nice film. And a good film. I mean, I, I like E.T. And then the thing came out and it was completely the opposite and it, it really shocked people. Do you know, that's that's why don't... people didn't like it. The critics didn't like it as well. I mean, the, the panned the film. And it's Even honestly... it's Kurt amazing. Russell's glasses. <laughs> he even needs glasses. They're the best. I think that a bit of outfit in any film. <laughs> well, I, I just I, I think everything you know with that film's great. But I also think that everything with this one's great. Yeah, as well. So we're not here it's... to talk about the thing. We'll get into that yeah. on another episode. Escape uh-huh. from New York. I mean, it's it's quintessential John Carpenter from my opinion of it. But what uh-huh. what about John Carpenter? How tell people what it mm-hmm. is, like why it's John Carpenter, how you know it is. Well, I mean, there's, there's certain things that, you know, you can just tell it's John Carpenter. I mean, first of all, I mean, the way it looks. I mean, he's, he's got the, the the cinematographer who works on this film, works on other, you know, mm-hmm. these films as well, well Dean Cundy. We'll talk about him later, I think. We'll talk about <laughs> him now if you want. The plot yeah. of the film is 
genius in its simplicity. Uh-huh. Um, it, like, as if any, if you tell the plot of this film to anyone, they're going to go, mm-hmm. that sounds fucking brilliant. So, <laughs> the president is on Air Force One. A group of protesters have hijacked it, and uh-huh. it, he's on his way to peace talks with China and Russia uh, uh-huh. over some arms problems, obviously. Um, yeah. These protesters hijack it, and it ends up crashing in Manhattan. But mm-hmm. in Manhattan at that time is entirely a maximum security prison behind huge walls. Um, And he's basically get, he's there. And the guy who runs the show in this prison slash Manhattan captures him and is going to kill him. So the government want to get him back because he's got to make it. He's got 24 hours or 12 hours or something to make it to these peace talks because Uh he's got a tape that he needs to play. Uh Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's of utmost important that he plays this tape. You don't really know uh-huh. what it is, but he has to play this tape. So they yeah. need to get him back so they can get this tape, take it to the peace talks, and mm-hmm. the world will be saved. So they yeah. send Snake Pliskin in, former special forces man, now convict. Uh, they insert um, two <laughs> explosives into his bloodstream that I mean, yeah. doesn't make it out in time he'll uh-huh. explode from the inside out yeah now now all of this premise right this is the, the start of the film all of this premise like you've just said is fucking amazing yeah it's incredible like you've just said i mean if you if you went into like you know you were pitching a film to some guy or whatever and you said well this is the premise of the film and you just you've just explained it and then he he's got to do it because he's got these things sort of in his neck which are going to explode everything that you've just described there is absolutely class yeah brilliant i mean that is exactly what i want to watch uh, and also by the way he's going to be called snake pliskin um, <laughs> uh he's going to be played by a really buff kurt russell uh-huh. who's going to be wearing an eye patch <laughs> what the body exactly the body isaac is <laughs> right all right all right brilliant let's do it. <laughs> that <laughs> i mean it's just it is like fantasy stuff isn't it but you, you obviously john Cotner looked at it that way as well what can i put in what can i make this small film seem like it's a massive that's film what, and it does look I, like a massive yeah film? that's what i got out of it is that he's gone i'm going to show them i can make a massive film even though uh-huh. i haven't got a budget to do it that's the opinion yeah. i got and i think like oh, i said we'll talk about the cinematographer here What's his name again? Peter Cundy. Dean. Cundy. Dean Cundy. Um, yeah. He, the job he does on this film is just mm-hmm. unbelievable. He makes this low-budget film that's shot in kind of, well, in a, in a rundown city in the dark. <laughs> look, yeah. look amazing. And he uses techniques, the lighting uh-huh. that he uses, this kind of overexposed lighting yeah. uh, the camera and stuff that he uses to make the he's shooting in the dark but it's kind of mm-hmm. bleeding out so it looks light yeah. as light as you can possibly get these shots in the dark which uh-huh. give it this kind of comic book kind of quality I think mm-hmm. um, and it, obviously this guy's gone on to be the cinematographer on some of the my favourite films and some of the greatest films of all time yeah I mean, his class, I mean, the thing's very similar as well. He works on that. I mean, a lot of John Carpenter films he works on. And uh, 
he's just They're really nice joke. I mean, that that's dark, but I like my phones in the dark, you know what I mean? But that, that's the good thing about John Carpenter as well. He's, he surrounded himself with really talented people. Do you know what I mean? As far as I'm concerned, John Carpenter's a genius, mm-hmm. but he surrounded himself with, with these sort of really talented people as well. Like, well, that's genius in itself, I mean? isn't it? Like, you can't, well, of course, it is. Eh? But making sure you've got people that can or better than you at the things that you want to achieve. Like, yeah. <laughs> And I mean, the other thing with this film as well, I don't know if you know about this, but obviously it's set in New York, but it's not filmed in New York. Yeah. Not the exterior shots. Certainly not. It's St. Louis. Yeah. And, and what happened was there was a, in the 70s, I think 1977, there was a big massive fire which gutted, you know, the whole sort of mm-hmm. or the, a massive area of St. Louis. And what they were able to do was just go in and use those derelict sort of buildings and stuff like that. I mean, it was like for blocks and blocks mm. and blocks. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, uh, but and obviously you've got, to light it. you've got to be able to see it. Yeah, but I mean, you've got to be able to see that on the camera, haven't you? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's where the lightning and sort of Dean Cundy comes into it because that's it's just amazing. But I think you, you, when you watch John Carpenter films, you know what you're watching. You know it's John Carpenter. Yeah, he's an auteur. You know it. Like that, yeah. uh, that quote that you referenced before, I think it's slightly different. He says, "In France, I'd be an auteur. Uh-huh. In, in the US, I'm a I'm a genre uh, director. In you, it, it, it is he is an auteur. It's if you look at like these." Directors like Wes Anderson, uh, the Coen Brothers, mm-hmm. you uh, like modern examples of auteurs. Um, what's his name? Paul Thomas Anderson, I guess. Uh, you're watching their films, you know they're their films because they yeah. look and feel a certain mm-hmm. way, the dialogues in a certain way, the actors are often the same actors in all of these films. John yeah. Carpenter operates like that, but because they're kind of like action films or horror films, slashers and and stuff uh-huh. like that, it's thought of as being like less important, but I think that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's certainly not the case for me because I adore all these films. I mean, I have from growing up, like I said, they've, they've always been in the in the back of my head, you know what I mean? Starman and, and stuff like that. They live. And I didn't realize Starman was John Carpenter. I absolutely love Starman. Like Jeff Bridges, uh-huh. obviously, like I remember that from being a kid. I had no yeah. idea that was John Carpenter about a week ago, and I was looking into like, uh, <laughs> I, know? I know, no, no, I like I know the like he's big ones that he hangs his hat on, or that people do like yeah. Halloween, this, uh-huh. uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple more that we mentioned before, but I didn't. But then in between them, there's loads of ones that actually on uh-huh. these kind of like beam. Movie like shocky yeah. ones, or what I thought of a shocky ones. So you think actually that's a family film and that's a good mm-hmm. sci-fi film, and that's like yeah. and I had no idea that he that he also was behind some of these other films, and he's and he's definitely. I mean, he's, he's got rage. Do you know what I mean? He's he's a genius. Um, have you seen Elvis? Well, that's the other thing I didn't know. I absolutely love that. That is, you know, I love it's Elvis, uh-huh. and. There's a few of these kind of TV movie biopics of these rock stars and stuff that I think are excellent. Um, Gary Boosie is Buddy Holly's one. Um, but this Elvis with Kurt Russell as Elvis for about mm-hmm. for the first of about four Elvis roles in his career. Um, <laughs> uh, I just I remember watching that when I was a teenager, like after I really got into Elvis and absolutely uh-huh. loving it. 
it's great. So Kurt Russell was fucking incredible in it. The range of in uh-huh. it, like it's it's happy, it's sad. There's some great musical sequences in it. Um, uh-huh. And obviously, it's this like TV movie biopic that's on for about four and a half hours in two parts. Yeah. And again, it was only last week when I was looking into this that I, you realized that was John Carpenter. I mean, how's John Carpenter directed that? Really? Like, it doesn't <laughs> really make any sense. Like, after Halloween, Darkstar Halloween, yeah. Elvis for the TV, uh, uh-huh. then Escape from New York. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I mean, I mean, obviously, John Carpenter, he loves music. Do you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's massive Beatles and, and Elvis as well and stuff like that. He, he, I think I was watching an interview where he said, uh, you know, his family didn't have a TV or anything like that, but he went to a friend's house and watched Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show. Uh-huh. You know, that had like a big impact on him and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the funny thing is, I remember watching that Elvis when I was about eight, because it was on, I even remember watching channel it was on. It was on ITV and it was on in, in two different parts. Yeah, that's what I rem- So maybe that was I remember when I watching saw it, it as well. Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, I, I watch it with my parents, and it, it, it's really odd. All of these films, I remember I remember the first time that I watched them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's the weird thing. I mean, I, I, some people might say that, you know, Spielberg, they remember when they watched Jaws or whatever, or, you know, George Lucas, Star Wars and stuff, but it, it's not those ones for me. It's, it's all of these John Carpenter films. And the, the other thing, which we haven't talked about yet, but is massive for me. Is the music? Yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, the music's amazing. This this yeah. soundtrack, but this just this film alone is my favorite of the John Carpenter soundtracks. Yeah. But it's brilliant all the way through. Awesome. Yeah, his films are amazing. I think me and you both like this style of music. And I think, that, like I've mentioned before, there's a, a record label called Spun Out of Control, which essentially specializes mm-hmm. in soundtracks of this style for kind of made up films. So they'll come up mm. with a concept of what yeah. this film is about, like a death wish or a Halloween or whatever version, mm-hmm. like an eighties film, very John Carpenter. And then a, a musician or a band will do a soundtrack. Yeah. To this imaginary film. And I mean, not just that there's other people who make this kind of synth wavy uh, stuff, yeah. which I guess is what it's called now. Um, it's quite popular again now, but I mean, it, people again. People talk about Brian Eno being a pioneer of electronic music and and craft work and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. genuinely, and Giorgio Moroder, probably the most uh, yeah. person you can compare it to. But John Carpenter doesn't really get put in that bracket on that side yeah. of things either. But if he we was Angelo Badalamenti and he just mm-hmm. made the music for this, mm-hmm. people would be raving about it. But it's because uh-huh. it's like he's a director. And that he does the music is like he also does the music. But if it was a different person doing the music, that person would probably be like famous in their own right. Uh, I think yeah, it's kind of like gets a bit of a, a it's a bit of unfortunate. I think. It, it, I mean, he's he's almost like too good, isn't he? It's like he's taking the piss. You know what I mean? He's he's, he's directing <laughs> oh, yeah. these films. He's writing them. He's doing everything. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, my my favorite John Carpenter sort of track is the theme from assault from precinct 13 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on precinct 13 and i was watching an interview today and he did the whole soundtrack in a day one day ha, for, that, for, for that film i mean he, he wasn't even watching 
you know, the film while he was doing the soundtrack or, or anything like that was just all in his head. I mean, that's just like, that's Beatles level sort of genius, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, it is to I, me anyway. I, no, I agree. He deserves more. I mean, it's not like he's thought of as a joke, but I'd, he's not thought of as one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, one of the greatest soundtrack composers, musicians of all time. He's still fairly cult. He's a cult yeah. concern. He's got a huge army of fans, obviously, and those people yeah. really love him. But mm-hmm. most the man on the street doesn't know him like they know. Yeah, I, I mean, I went to I went to see him in Manchester. Um, I've seen him twice. I've seen him in Manchester, and I've, I've seen him in Newcastle. Both brilliant gigs, absolutely fantastic. He plays with his uh, his son Cody Carpenter. Okay. We might hear a little bit about mm-hmm. later on. Um, but the, the gig, both the gigs were absolutely brilliant, absolutely fantastic. But before I got there, I was in a bar, Sullen were playing, and we're playing Arsenal. Obviously, we got tanked, we got beat 4 1. And uh, these these Burnley supporters were behind me in this Manchester bar, and they were wanting Sullen to get beat because at the time they were like relegation rivals or whatever. Yeah. And I, I had some kind of interaction. I think Sullen got a penalty. And these Burnley fans were going, oh, that's not a penalty. And I turned around and sort of went, of course it is. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And they kind of went, well, you know, what do you care? Oh, I'm a Sullen fan. All oh, right, what what are you here for? I says, well, I'm I'm here to watch John Carpenter. And they went, John Carpenter, who's that? Now, like you know, he made Halloween, and I mean, he's, he's made the thing and stuff like that. Yeah, don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. So uh, what? I mean, I just Burnley fans, so probably don't know that. Much. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're Burnley Sorry, fan. Sorry, Daddy, I'll not be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, then we got to the gig, and it was the most unbelievable thing I'd, I'd ever seen. It was what's the gigs like then? What, like, what does he do? He, uh, he, Wait, uh, he's, he's he's playing the keyboard. So so what happens in the gig is he'll play the themes from from all of his films mm-hmm. and stuff. He also has uh, other albums uh, called Lost Themes, which are yeah. sort of, you know, songs from films that he could have made or yeah. should have made. Which is a bit yeah. like that record label. Yeah, that I'm on a bit about. like what you said. Uh-huh. So, I mean, we, we get the, the gig and when he's playing and stuff like that, it, it, the sort of clips of the films are playing in the, in the background. And it's, it's absolutely okay, amazing. It blew me mind. But when we got there, I mean, the queues were, were massive and stuff like that. I mean, I've got signed sort of records of, of John Cotton on oh, my wall and things like that. But there's people sort of dressed up as the characters. So there was huh. like loads of snakes there. Do you know, people in sort of cosplay and things. Yeah. There was the, the best one that I saw was, if, if you can think back to the thing, you know where they're uh, sitting on the chair in the thing uh, after the blood test, which is like, the most horrific thing ever. Yeah. Uh, where, uh, what I think it's, it's what's he called again? Windows. Yeah, yeah. He, he kind of, his, his hands droop and stuff like that. And he's got like a skeletal face. There was somebody dressed up as that. And it was like the, the best thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> I mean, like, it was so unbelievable. Absolutely class. So it, it's like an event, these things. And it was, uh, I think it was the day before Halloween as well. So, oh, great. I mean, you know, so that's good. We talk about John Carpenter. We talk about the music. We talk about the cinematography. Uh, we haven't really talked a lot about the film itself, and while we mm-hmm. won't go into the plot 
and all of the, this happened and that happened and that happened because essentially yeah. he gets dropped into New York to try and rece- try and uh, save get, the president. Save the president, and uh-huh. the New York's essentially run by uh, well Isaac Hayes, who's the Duke, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a sort of cast of weirdos who kind of just live there and get on with it. And then there's people who like these scavenger people that come out the drains and like yeah, mix stuff crazies. on at night. Yeah, the crazies. Um, uh-huh. And then there's like there's, there seems to be just some people who just try and like get stay out of trouble. Um, and then Isaac right. Hayes has got his heavies. Uh, mm-hmm. that, um, and people know who Snake Plissken is when he goes in there. Oh, that's the that's the, the good thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because what I think what John Coulter he loves westerns. Mm-hmm. He, that's his thing. And this 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 film's almost like a western, isn't it? But just set in the future. Yeah, the so, future, which by the way is nineteen ninety seven. Very much in the future, nineteen eighty one. <laughs> well, if they had to just fast forward it a couple of years, I mean, New it's York like, is a little, yeah. little bit like a prison now, isn't it? With, you know, the, the stuff that's going on now, the, the COVID and everything, that you know, they're all escaping themselves, aren't they? Yeah. From New York. So, so yeah, I mean, that's that's what happens. He's but, like the uh, man with no name, isn't he? So basically, I, I, I've yeah. read a little bit into it, and actually I've, I've kind of always thought this from... Uh, like when I'd seen a bit of it before, and certainly from watching it properly this time, before I did a bit of reading around it, that uh, mm-hmm. Kurt Russell bases these characters, these mannerisms, and his voice and stuff on Clint Eastwood in the Spaghetti Western yeah. trilogy. So Isaac Hayes gets wind of him coming and sends his guys to get him, mm-hmm. uh, and he ends up in a massive in a in a boxing slash wrestling match. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before that, he meets he meets a guy called Brain, doesn't he? Who he knows previously from uh, from the outside world. Yeah, who's, which is Harry gonna, Dean Stanton. Who's, he's yeah, super. who's also amazing, isn't he? Yeah, it, it, he's just amazing in everything, isn't he? Has he ever been young? <laughs> he always looks the same, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, I, it's, it's I weird. Him. He is absolutely fantastic, isn't he? He's absolutely great. But uh, but yeah, he he, he meets uh, Brain who. Like you say, it's Harry Dean Stanton, and he sort of knows where the president is because mm-hmm. he's in with sort of um, the Duke of New York, yeah. here number one, obviously, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's making gas from and stuff. But uh, Snake already knows who he is because he's previously done a job with him and, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean that that wrestling bit. I was, I was uh, watching. The sort of the commentary and stuff like that, which if, if anybody likes John Cortner, the, the commentary over the sort of Blu-rays and stuff like that's amazing. It's absolutely okay. class. Uh, this one, he's, he's sitting with uh, Kurt Russell and that, and they're, they're just having a laugh, basically, talking okay. about the film. But the, the, the guy who was an actual wrestler, and he, he, he tried to kill Kurt Russell. <laughs> he tried to beat the shit out of him. And like, obviously, there's a part in, in the script where Kurt Russell overcomes this wrestler guy, but he wasn't having that. He he didn't like that. He didn't want to get beat, so he was like battering Kurt Russell and stuff. Made him even like though it's even though it's <laughs> <laughs> so Kurt Kurt Russell had to sort of say to him, "You, you need to calm down. It's not wrestling. We're we're just what happened here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he, he wouldn't calm down, so he had to tap him on the balls and say, "Look, if you do it again, I'm." Gonna walk you in the ball. I'm gonna get you. 
<laughs> so it, I mean that it's it's obviously there's a sense of realism and for that as well. Yeah, there sure is. Kurt Russell you can get like the, the sense of realism in that it's, and I think the low budget kind of thing like plays mm-hmm. into that. Um, it, it looks it looks like it's really happening, and it's a weird thing to try and describe. Um, yeah. Because it's not realism, because it's in this post-apocalyptic. I mean, it's it's complete uh, fantasy, isn't yeah. it? But it's. But I think it but basically there's, there's a sense of realism there, I think. Yeah, there is. And Russell's uh he also meets a lady who I think is entirely made of breasts. Is that was that fair? <laughs> entirely made of breasts. You want to be you're careful what you say, because we've got the our son doing the song later. <laughs> but in this in in this film, she's She's just like it's just boobs, like it's just it her is. boobs and a gun, like running yeah. around. It's 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 classic. That is kind of classic B movie stuff, yeah. I think. Um, oh well, yeah. I mean, but she is good in it. But our, out, our outfit is like <laughs> fairly exploitative, I would say. Yeah, Adrian Barbo. I mean, yeah. she was she, like a pinup. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's brilliant. Good. She was like a pinup, wasn't she? And uh, John Carpenter. Um, was married while when they were while they were making this film as well. And Kurt Russell she, yeah, was married to the other lady in it. That's that right, and and chock full of nuts, the girl yeah. in chock full of nuts who I gets mean, uh, that, eaten that by the crazies. A superb name for a place. Uh, the stage show that goes on is incredible, mm-hmm. and also yeah. that's where we meet Ewolf. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> He's um, classic. Um, Ernest Borgnine is brilliant in this. I mean, what again, what an actor. There's yeah. just some great people in this. And we should also, what one other guy that certainly deserves mention, who's the guy that sends him in, Lee Van Cleef, in there because he's yeah. in the Spaghetti Western trilogy. And that's what, you know, he's a, uh-huh. he's also in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. He's a Western, like yeah. old school Western star. He is mm-hmm. fucking brilliant in this. And he's the guy he who's is. basically... To, Make sure that Pliskin yeah. gets in there and does it. He's calling the shots. He's superb. Uh-huh. It's a great bit of callback to the the fact that the film's based on these westerns. Um, mm-hmm. Russell, you know who other? You know who else is absolutely class as well? Uh, Frank Doubleday, who's Romero. He, he's got like the Sonic the Hedgehog sort of. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah He's yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah he's absolutely good. class. It, like he's kind of the most out there looking person in it, isn't he? He's the one that you know when it starts and and, and when sort of we we'll get into the prison. He's the one that introduces you to, to almost you know see what yeah, the rest the of the life. characters are yeah. going to be yeah, like yeah. in the prison. Yeah. So uh, and he's brilliant at it as well. He, he's almost got those foul teeth and yeah, and yeah, things he has. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I would say that you'll tell us if I'm wrong here. I'm sure. I know that. Uh, Carpenter really loved Michael Winner's Death Wish. Uh, that he, you know, the the, you know, <laughs> the feel of this and the the, the violence yeah. and stuff in it was kind of based on that. But he didn't like the premise. That's what he didn't. No, like he didn't like it. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't like what the film was actually about. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but there's got to be. He must have seen Mad Max at this point. He must have seen it because this is very. Or maybe Mad Max beyond like the second Mad Max 2 and this seem very similar but I, honestly well, I haven't looked yeah. into whether they're the same yeah. time I mean Mad Max 2 would have been 85 I think it, after know, would have been after this okay. yeah 
When was uh, Mad, Mad Max, Max the won. first one? Not sure. I think it might have been around. It might have been eighty. Yeah, have a similar like look and feel, I think. But Mad Max Two, I would imagine, has gone. Actually, what can we do with it? Let's. This is a good yeah. idea, and and take yeah, it on from there. I um, think that's more more like it, isn't it? That, that yeah. sort of you know they've taken from this because there's no doubt that that this this film has inspired you know other films. The soundtracks inspired sort of other things as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it, it's massively influential. I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, the other thing that, that we haven't talked about as well is like the image imagery, the, the computer imagery, which isn't actually computer imagery at the no, start. No, it's weird. And the special it? effects are, are unbelievable. And they're all, or most of them, are like matte paintings and stuff. Yeah. So that the, the things that people have painted, mm-hmm. not, not just people, because uh, James Cameron is the, yeah. the guy who <laughs> who painted the map paintings and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of talent like working on this film, it's, it's like mm-hmm. off the charts. Yeah, yeah, it's it, is, it really is. Um, we won't go into what happens at the end, but obviously he finds the president and he tries to break Well, you out. just have? Obviously he's <laughs> going to find the president. <laughs> obviously obviously gonna find he's going to find the president, man. It's, it's a class ending. It, I mean, it, it's the it's it's, the, it's, it's snake against the man, isn't it? And Kurt I mean, Russell's the, so cool at the end. Um, yeah, he's he's the perfect outlaw. And the other thing is that obviously, you know, he worked here. Uh, John Compton worked with Kurt Russell on Elvis and stuff, and he had to push really hard to get Kurt Russell into the the role. You know, I think yeah. I've called. They didn't want him. I read, I read they that Tommy Lee actually, Jones to, or, or Charles Bronson. I know. <laughs> Fucking hell! I mean, that's just ridiculous. Face. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's an it's another example of like John Carpenter sort of forward thinking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To, well, to him and Kurt Russell have obviously Kurt got Russell. one of those actor director relationships that happen with yeah, auteurs like Scorsese and De Niro and yeah, uh, DiCaprio these days. Um, but yeah, but to uh, see that from a guy who was in like Disney films and stuff because that's all. Kurt Russell was in previously. Yeah. He was like a Disney kid, wasn't he? To so cast him in like Elvis and then see something in him and then cast him as like a, an action hero. And I mean, when ass. I was grown up, and I mean, one of the greatest characters ever. When I was grown up in the 80s, I saw Kurt Russell as an action hero. Yeah. I didn't see him. I, I, I mean, I would, it took a, a while later to sort of realize he was a Disney kid or whatever. I didn't, I didn't know about know the Disney stuff, but I think I probably thought of them as like the romantic lead and like Overboard and Captain Ron and stuff me. like that. But I hadn't he seen was... these when I was a kid because uh, uh, yeah, they're for thing. adults. Um, yeah. <laughs> 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 but he was, he was always just the badass snake for me. Like, so yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, absolutely loved it. I'm glad you it. liked like, it. Uh, I'm glad. I can't believe I've actually watched it all the way through before. Um, I love everything about it, the music, what it looks like, what it plays like, who's in it. I, I, to be honest, I probably love the support and cast more than Kurt Russell. Um, Did you? I love Kurt Russell in it, but just like Ernest Borgnine, Lee Van Cleef, Harry Dean mm-hmm. Stanton, Isaac Hayes, and and there's more, you know, there's more mm-hmm. guys in it, like you, like you said uh um, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog guy, and all of these other ones. It's just, <laughs> it's just great um yeah and it just makes us want to watch more carpenter films again um well maybe don't, even don't be disappointed <laughs> don't be disappointed because i'm sure that we'll do that in the future yeah because like he's my favorite yeah so. of course um 
So that's the end of that. Thank you. I've got a quiz. Ooh, I almost forgot about the quiz. I was enjoying talking about John Cockner a little bit too much there. Oh, no, well, now your enjoyment will end because you've got oh, a quiz. No. Um, oh, no. This quiz oh. is about film characters with eye patches, and it's called Tell Us the Name of the Character. I'll tell you the name of the character. <laughs> What's you, it called, Cliff? I'll tell you the name of the character. You tell me either and or the name of the actor and the film, if you want, or, right. or, or the other one. <laughs> Was that whiskey you were drinking? Good name for a quiz, that, isn't it? Uh-huh. Was it's, that whiskey um, you were drinking? It's like a Jack Daniels substitute. It's a Jack Daniels substitute. It's called... Um, can't remember what it's called, but actually, it's really nice. <laughs> right, I've and got, I think, I've got, a, and I've got I, one called Firewater, and which I think is, it uh, works. Had for about eight years. <laughs> I think it does. Um, <laughs> benchmark. Tell you what, it's called Benchmark. Benchmark is it? Is that because you shit yourself when Stop you're sitting me. on the bench? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, the next day, the next podcast, I'll have a whiskey as well. We yeah, okay, let's do that. Thank you. Right. So I have no idea what this is. I'm going to say a character in a film and that character wears an eye patch. You I can, heard that bit, but I didn't tell know me, the title. You, the title got muddled, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> you can tell me what film it is. Right, I'll try. And or the person who plays that character. So the first one, L Driver. It's a lady with an eye patch. It's not like many drivers. Like, like, like Lerner Driver. Buffer. Little like, chauffeur. Like learn a driver. <laughs> L driver. Yeah, are you gonna offer up any clues to this? It's a lady. That isn't a clue. <laughs> oh, come um, on. Serve them up. It's a baddie. Mm-hmm. Taking on another lady, martial arts lady. Right, is it is it kill Bill or someone like it that? It is, yeah. Right. Ooh, that's good. And the eye patch is probably in there because Tarantino loves Carpenter, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So that's probably why it is. Do you know that the, the Hateful Eight is based on the thing? Well, I mean, it, it's almost <laughs> the same film, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's, that's that's what it is. I just I've, I watched it. Uh, I watched it a few years ago, and I was like, for the the, the very reason that it was based on the thing, and I was like. Yeah, it's not really the wizard. <laughs> well, I know, but it's just like, oh, there's pe- it's snowy and Kurt Russell, and there's people in a in a one place. Like, yeah, that's that's it. But there's so is, many uh, films that you could say are like based on the thing. This is so pioneering and copied yeah, so much. There's the Morricone music in it, definitely. Anyway, anyway, Daryl Hannah in Kill Bill. Right, she has yes, a, she like has her. a fight with uh, Uma Thurman. Right, mm-hmm. number two. The character is called Daniel Big Dan Tig. Daniel Big Dan Tig. He's a man. He's a big right. man, and he's called Dan, and he wears an eye patch. Right. Well, I got that because the quiz is about people with eye patches. Recapping. Recapping. No, I'm, I'm not the wiser with this one because he's meant to signify that he's a cyclops. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. He's meant to signify that he's a cyclops, or he yeah. is a cyclops. Oh no, he's just it. 
It's John Goodman. Why would a Cyclops it's need John an eye Goodman patch? In Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which is loosely. You based know I haven't on seen Homer's that film. You know I haven't seen that film because I've, I've mentioned it before. I know I, I was writing it. that question. I thought, is this the film yeah. he said he hasn't seen? <laughs> so I'll deliberately put it in. Is it's Feral goes west in these questions? Fivel goes west. It, yeah, that's him. Not feral, because that's like a wild animal. He was a feral little mouse. <laughs> Fivel goes feral. Does he have an eye patch? <laughs> no, but I think we should try and make Fivel goes feral. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sequel, isn't it? Fivel goes feral. Twice. I think he has an eye patch. One of them, or there is one with an eye patch. There's definitely a mouse with an eye patch, isn't there? Okay, number three. Yeah. The character is called Emilio Largo. Right. I don't know this, so... <laughs> you wrote the fucking question? Well, I know You've the, got answer the answer now, but I, I wouldn't have known it until I started looking for this quiz. Well, didn't you expect me to? St. James Bond in that, man. <laughs> you're, you're, can I just say, your quizzes, right? They're awful. <laughs> <laughs> you like James right, Bond? Come on. Is it... <laughs> Is it Doctor No? <laughs> no, it's Thunderball. And the character everybody knows is <laughs> no the actor, the character is Adolfo Largo. Uh, Emilio Largo, the character is Adolfo Chili. You know Chili. Adolfo Chili. Yeah. Adolfo Chili. No, I don't know him. Okay, come on. Number no, the last one. You'll be glad to know. Oh, thank the God. Thank God is for that. One eyed Willie. <laughs> 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 does he? I does wear an eye patch, doesn't he? he does hey, patch. you guys! <laughs> is that a worthy answer? Uh, it's the Goonies, yeah. One eye, Willie. Thanks. Not played by anyone because it's a skeleton. But really, this entire thing was just so I could say one eye, Willie, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Brett. You got one out of five. Terrible quiz. Terrible quiz. Terrible, 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 terrible quiz. quiz. Terrible <laughs> quiz. Terrible <laughs> quiz. Terrible, terrible, terrible right, quiz. It's the end. Should we wrap up? And uh, I'm excited. I'm kind of racing at the end because I'm excited about the music we've got. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited because you, you've sorted this out. How you've sorted out, I've got no goddamn idea. But the music we're going to close today's show with is really exciting. So before we introduce it, thank you for listening, everyone. Follow us on Twitter. It's at FCircusPod. You can follow us on Facebook and join the chat on there. It's just the name of the podcast. Please listen to us. You can find us on everywhere. Amazon Music's creeping up. Uh, the amount of uh, places that to listen to. So you can listen to us on Amazon, Good. Apple, everywhere. Give us a five-star review if you want. Leave a comment. Uh, tell us what you want to listen to, even if you if you want to suggest anything. We're happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, have a big crack with us on Twitter. We're always on there. And that is, I think, how Brett came up with uh, this next piece of music, which I'm sure he's very excited by. And I know I am. Um, forgive us if we've said the name of the band wrong, but I think it's Simulacran Lab uh, with the Night Fight EP and the song Night Fight from that EP, which includes Cody Carpenter. John Carpenter's son. Yay! Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this nice song one. is amazing, I think. It is class. And very much in the vein of John Carpenter's music, synth yeah. really fits with what we're talking about. So if you like 
John Carpenter films, like his music. You'll certainly like Simulacrum Lab uh, and Cody Carpenter's music as well. He's a guest on this, but he also does stuff himself. Um, so yeah, until next time, have a listen to this. This is Night Fight. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.